0: Let's name the top right-handed pitching prospects for winter 2023. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. So as we've been doing since the season wrapped up, we're going, we've gone through all of the positions just about and talked about the top prospects at every single position. We got shortstops in yesterday and today right-handed pitching. And this is a little bit tough for a couple reasons. One, this is by far the most common demographic in baseball, right? There are tons of Pitchers, like usually half of a farm system right is pitching, and most of those are righties. But what also makes it tough is so many pitchers are either coming off of Tommy John, out with Tommy John, or they're probably destined to have Tommy John sometime soon. Let's be honest with how this works nowadays. And it's is a little bit of a change in the rankings from where we did this last, and we had Andrew Painter as the number one right-handed pitching prospect in baseball. And right now, and from what I can see, a consensus opinion, the number one pitching prospect in baseball is Paul Skeens, the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, now with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, uh, reminder, physical specimen, 6'6", 235, big guy, got a chance to watch him a couple times last season in his college season, at LSU, but reminder of what he did in both the college baseball and then the minors. In college, he made 19 starts. They went all the way through and won the College World Series. He was 12-2 with a 169 ERA in 122 and two-thirds innings. Paul Skeen struck out 209 batters, so 15.3 strikeouts per nine to 20 walks. 1.5 walk per nine innings and seven home runs allowed, so 0.5. We talked about this a lot around time of the draft. Paul Skeens is probably the most impressive college pitcher to come out of NCAA since Steven Strasburg, right? Just absolutely dominant. 45% of all batters he faced, he struck out in 2023. It's absurd. The fastball, something where... The shape isn't necessarily amazing, but he can throw it 100 miles an hour. He can hold that velocity pretty deep into a game, or he did in college at least. We saw him 100 pitches deep. He's still pumping 101. Uh, Very flat approach angle, very good movement up in the zone. So works really well against just about any type of hitter. Something that I noticed when Skeens got in the pros, and he made a couple starts, only pitched six and two-thirds innings, five hits, four runs, two walks to 10 strikeouts. Something I noticed that may have mitigated some of the shape of the fastball issue is he threw a lot more two-seamers than four-seamers. He, uh, In those six and two-thirds innings, 44% of all of his pitches were two-seam fastballs. So it gives you a little bit of work. As far as kind of helps mitigate some of that pitch shape somewhat when it has the 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 movement of the sinker. Curious to see whether he keeps that or not. His slider is it's not a true sweeper, but it's close to a sweeper. Uh it started off as a shorter, kind of harder breaking slider. And he added a little more sweep with it at LSU. It's not a true sweeper. doesn't have the velocity of a true sweeper. It comes in low uh, low 90s or so. uh, But it's still a very good, very effective pitch. And he can control it very well. The changeup, to me, is one of the big differentiators for Paul Skeens as he gets into professional baseball. He didn't throw it a lot last year. It sits in the upper 80s. It's got that 10 mile an hour difference. It has good fade to it. So it moves to the arm side. It also drops a bit. Good fade, good drop. But it's not as consistent. Now, it's still really, really good pitch, but it's not as consistent. When he got into professional baseball, uh, he, again, not very many starts. One of them was uh, in the rain. And so I think he only threw one changeup in that outing. But despite that, he still hit 17% changeup usage in his brief major league sample. Where again in the minors it was like less than 10%. When he got to the to professional baseball, Skeens's changes he made was throwing the changeup more, throwing a two-seamer more, way more often than a four-seamer. And then the big thing here. And I think what is going to ultimately end up deciding the the promotion timeline and the debut for Paul Skeens is how well he can convert from pitching one day a week to pitching every five days. We've talked about that on this show quite a bit. There's not a lot of data on what traits do and don't translate and how pitchers struggle when they move from once a week to every five days. It's hard to give a promotion timeline right now, other than it feels like he's going to debut sometime in 2024. But we have to see how well he does uh, pitching every five days. That'll be the big thing we have to figure out. Very curious to see what he does. Now, Paul Skeens threw a ton of innings last year. So in 2022, he had 89 and a third. Remember, he was at. Air Force, and then he went to Summer Ball. This year at LSU, and then going into professional baseball, he threw almost 130 innings. So it feels if the offseason goes well, he should be able to give you meaningful innings in 2024. The big question again is, will they be at the professional, like at the major league level or in the minors? And it all comes back to how well he adjusts to throwing every five days. Uh, The Number two prospect, and I'm not going to spend nearly as much time on him because we talked about him just the other day, and we've talked about him quite a bit on this show, but Cade Horton of the Chicago Cubs, another guy who did really well at the College World Series, in this case two years ago for Oklahoma, first round pick by the Cubs in 22, between single A, high A, and double A last year, started 21 games, went four and four. With a two six three 3 ERA in 88 and a third innings. 117 strikeouts for Cade Horton. So 11.9 per nine innings. To 27 walks. 2.8 per nine. And seven home runs. Fastball, slider, curveball kind of combination here. And then there's a changeup that he's working on. So the fastball sits in the mid-90s. He can run it up to 99 if he wants. Does really well up in the zone. Sliders in the mid-80s. Good amount of horizontal movement, not a true sweeper, right? Uh, It's only moving about 10 inches or so, whereas on a lot of the sweepers, you're seeing 14, 16, things like that. So not a true sweeper, more of the, the, the shorter break, but still a very good slider. The depth is really good. It gets in on you before it does all that movement. Curveball is a vertical breaking curveball. Not an amazing pitch, but it's good enough. The big differentiator to me is going to be the changeup. He worked on it during the year last year, and as I understand, swapped it to be more of like a split-finger changeup. and the goal with the changeup is you don't want it to spin. You want the RPMs to come down. We talked on this show about Hurston Waldrop and how unique, because he has both a high spin breaking pitch and a low spin splitter. We talked about that. So depending on what Cade Horton does and how good that changeup gets is going to decide the ultimate timeline for him to debut and how good he can be. Can he be a number one pitcher or a number two pitcher? He throws tons of strikes. His strikeout rate last year was like 66% or so. The question's going to be how good is that fourth pitch because that can be the differentiator between a number three and a number two and a guy that could eventually graduate into a number one. My bold prediction as we sit here at the end of December is Cade Horton, just like Spencer Strider two years ago, Cade Horton's going to be another reason that we discuss you need to have a rookie pitcher of the year award because he'll be in the rookie of the year voting, but he probably won't win. In just a minute, let's talk about where some of these injured pitchers slot in. Where does the Andrew Painter slot into this list? Where does a Shane Boz slot into this list? We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Uh, right now, new customers to FanDuel can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bets. That's $150 bucks. If your team wins, if you've been eyeing all of the futures that are out there on FanDuel, they have obviously division winners, they have postseason winners, you know, so uh, the pennant, World Series, all of that. They also have some of the individual awards up now. You can put on action on Cy Young, you can put action on MVP, you can put action on individual players to do certain things. How many home runs will Otani hit? How many strikeouts will Yamamoto get? How many strikeouts will Spencer Strider get? You can't yet bet on Rookie of the Year. Those odds are not out yet. They're typically out sometime in the spring. But in the meantime, go download the app. It's a great, incredibly easy to use. Tons of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, all that. And find an an NFL team that you think might actually have a chance to win. Go make a $5 Moneyline bet get your $150 in bonus bets so you're ready for these MLB futures. Visit fanduel.com/lockedon to take advantage of that offer now with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so looking at uh, some of the injured pitchers, Andrew Painter was the big one for me is where does Andrew Painter slot into this list? We had him as the number 1 right-handed pitching prospect the last time we did this show a year ago. And it's very difficult to say this guy is hurt and we're going to drop him from the list. I'm not dropping Andrew Painter from the list. But we do have to acknowledge there is some uncertainty with returning from Tommy John. We know a lot more about Tommy John than we used to. We have a lot more confidence. In Tommy John surgery and how to bring a guy back from it than we used to the point of if I was working in an MLB front office and I had to either know that my stud pitcher had to have Tommy John surgery or that my stud pitcher had to have some sort of shoulder injury and shoulder surgery, I would rather him have Tommy John because there's just so much more data on how to come back from Tommy John surgery. I ended up dropping him to three and it's something where this, it's not an issue of it being mishandled or anything by Philadelphia. I understand the urge to see if he could rehabilitate and not need the procedure. What ended up happening because he was injured in spring training. If he had the Tommy John surgery right away, he's probably, he has it in March or maybe April. He's probably back on the mound towards the end of 2024 in some sort of limited sample. Now, with having Tommy John surgery over the summer, what ends up happening is Andrew Painter doesn't make it back to a mound. I think it was late July he had the surgery. He probably doesn't make it back on the mound in the regular season for the minors. And so now you're in a situation of you don't have to rush him. You probably don't send him to the AFL, but you can let him do work at the complex and he enters 2025 theoretically with no restrictions because you have some extra time. You can take the full close to 18 months to get him back from Tommy John's. It works out in a way because you don't have to push him at all, but it also is a little bit of a struggle because you can't get him in that competitive environment at the crucial point of his rehab to see how he's doing. Right behind him, and I'll acknowledge that I am probably the high person on him compared to everybody else. Jackson Job of the Detroit Tigers. I have him as the number four right handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. Drafted number three overall in 2021 out of high school. Got to high A in his first year. Probably would have gone much farther. But he had like lower back inflammation, made him miss some time early. So you only got 16 starts, and they were distributed across a bunch of levels rehab starts in rookie ball, single A, high A, and then finally double A. In those 16 starts for Jackson Job, two and four with a 281 ERA in 64 innings, 84 strikeouts, so 11.8 per nine, to six walks, 0.8 per nine. And nine home runs allowed. So 1.3 per nine innings. There's a lot of things that I like about Jackson Job. And it's something where, yes, he missed some time, but outside of that health issue, that if it's taken care of, there's not a lot of concerns other than experience with Jackson Job. Look at the control, right? Six walks, 0.8 per nine. He gave up more home runs. Then he walked people. And I can't think of the last time I saw somebody do that outside of a, a non sadistically significant five or 10 inning sample, right? His strike percentage, over 69%, was one of the best, very nice job by him, one of the best strike percentages in all of minor league baseball. He threw 258 pitches in single A. And I was talking at the Winter Meetings with Eno Saris of the Athletic about this. Of like he threw 258 pitches. We have Statcast data on that. Eno has the Stuff Plus model. He sh- shared his Google Doc with me. Jackson Job had the number 1 Stuff Plus of any pitcher that pitched in single A last year at 129.4. And even the location plus was 100.3. So it was very good. And he was able to go in and do some biomechanical work while he was sidelined with the back injury. And it wasn't a it wasn't a structural thing. It was like some inflammation, is the common reporting around it. And he's throwing forcing fastball, slider, change up, and he added one and he added a cutter. And I think it was a good move. The fastball sits mid to upper 90s, 95 to 97. Does well up in the zone. Not absolutely absurd, but still really good. He has a slider, mid 80s, spin rates over 3,200 RPM. So very good spin rates. Averages 15 inches of break. It's run up as high as 17. It sits, again, mid 80s. He's got the changeup, low 80s, good 15 inches of fade to it. And then he added a cutter that sits in the low 90s right so it's in the velocity band between the fastball and the slider so if you look at how he can attack a batter you've got uh, velocity wise the fastball is in a velocity band the cutters in a different velocity band the sweeper and the the changeup are technically in the same the changeups again low 80s The sweeper's mid-80s, so they're distinct enough where you can count it as a separate velocity band. If you look at some of the movement, he's got a couple different directions. A fastball up, a sweeper, a cutter, a changeup. He's got different directions of movement as well. And when he was sidelined, some of the control got even better because of delivery changes that he made. And something where he what is it? The walk rate was 2.3%. Again, faced 258 batters. I said 258 pitches. 258 batters walked six guys. Something where at this point, provided that he's healthy, what you're looking for is just for him to continue to get experience, right? You've got a plus pitch in the fastball, you've got a probably a 70-grade pitch in the slider, you've got a plus pitch in the changeup. And the cutter isn't necessarily a plus pitch, but it doesn't have to be. It's something where if you're sitting fastball, it has just enough velocity difference and movement to throw you off. So, Jackson Job, I recognize I am the high guy here. A lot of people, I want to say MLB Pipeline has him like maybe number nine in their pitching list. I want to say Baseball America has him outside the top ten. He might be closer to 15 in their prospect rankings of best right handed pitching prospects. I've got him a little bit higher because I just, I'm a believer in the versatility and the control that he has over everything. Again, so many tools, so many weapons, so many different velocity bands, movements. He's got just about everything you need. If he had a pitch that, if he had a curveball that broke a 12 to 6 curveball, he'd have every single option to attack you. You put that thing in the upper 70s and he can go any direction, any velocity band, it would be unstoppable. But even now, I'm just a big believer in Jackson Job and what he can do. In just a minute, we've got a couple other players that are returning or still out with injury. We'll talk about them next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of Locked On MLB Prospects on the Friday show here, giving you the top right-handed pitching prospect in minor league baseball. Quick reminder that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with both the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows like this one covering every single leak, So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We have both Roku and Fire TV apps coming soon. Okay, so I mentioned Andrew Panger got dropped down a little bit because of the injury, and perhaps that's not quite fair of me. Shane Boss is in a similar situation t- to me. And Shane Boss is a really, uh, I'm not going to say divisive prospect but he's somebody that a lot of folks don't necessarily consider a prospect still because you've now seen him like with Randy Arozarena you saw him in multiple seasons and post seasons he made his debut in 2021 got 3 starts in the regular season had it went 2 and 0 with an ERA of 2.03 he pitched and since then you've been able to see him pitch in post seasons he pitched some in 22 struggled a little bit more, had Tommy John, and is due back sometime in 2024. Uh, I'm still a believer in what he can do, something where uh, we have to see what he looks like as he comes back. I'm excited about the fact I live closer to some of the Tampa affiliates. I don't know if they'll just have him exclusively at AAA rehabbing, if he'll go to AA Montgomery again up the road from me, or if he'll just be at the complex until he's ready to go pitch in the major leagues, but I'm hopeful he gets to go out to some of the some of the affiliates so I can see Shane Boss in person. Uh, right behind him, a guy that recovered from Tommy John came back last year and looked pretty good, Dylan Lesko of the San Diego Padres. It was age 19 season. He was a first rounder in 2022 out of high school. They knew when they got him, he had to have Tommy John surgery. So last year comes back Pitches in rookie ball, pitches in single A, pitches in high A. Gets a grand total of 12 starts. They're not very long outings. He pitches 33 total innings in those 12 starts. And a lot of the conventional stats for Dylan Lesko are not great. 1-5 record. Wins don't matter in the minor leagues, but just noticed it wasn't great. 1-5 record, 5-4-5 ERA. Again, 33 innings pitched. Struck out 52, so that's 14.2 per nine. Walked 22, so that's six walks per nine innings. Gave up three home runs, so 0.8 home runs per nine innings for Dylan Lesko. Would have been a top five pick if not for the Tommy John. The stuff looked really good. The issue here is the control is lagging. And it threw strikes at like a 58% clip. Like I said, six walks per nine innings. Control is typically one of the last things to come back for a pitcher from Tommy John. It's something that you're going to struggle with a little bit longer. But the good news is the pitches themselves look good, even if he doesn't always know where they're going. It's a fastball, change-up, curveball combo. And I think he should do a little bit more work to add something else in. So the fastball sits mid-90s. Looks really good up in the zone. Uh, I've seen 20 inches of induced vertical break on the fastball. So one of the higher IVB numbers for the fastball of Dylan Lesko's. Uh, Again, 95 or so. The changeup comes out at the exact same arm speed, but it's significantly slower. I've seen these changeups come in at 80 miles an hour. And so we always talk about you're looking for ideally about a 10 mile an hour difference between the fastball and the changeup he gets around 15. The pitch itself has a lot of late movement. So works really well with the fastball. They come out the same arm speed, the same release point, and then late the changeup which is also slower obviously, it moves late in a different direction from what the fastball would do. So really good complement those two together. The third pitch, mid 70s curveball. So uh, it's not a true 12-6, to 6, but it's pretty close to it. Lots of spin. I think it can be a good pitch when the command comes back. He doesn't get a ton of strikes with it, but it's a really good pitch. And so, uh, obviously, that's something you want to see improve. But I think, and we mentioned this here when we talked about Job adding the cutter, I think adding a some sort of a slider or a cutter or something would be useful for Dylan Lesko just to capture that middle velocity band between, because right now you have mid-90s fastball, you have low 80s changeup, high 70s curveball. So add one more pitch in there that can give you a slightly different velocity band. You can get in the high 80s, you know, again, a late-breaking hard slider, something like that, maybe even a gyro slider, depending on how well he uh, can, you know, can pick up a pitch like that. Just gives you a different uh, velocity band to work with and hopefully some different, a different movement profile to add to this. But I absolutely feel that him and Robbie Snelling, who I actually have above Lesko in this organization's rankings, that they both are guys that could absolutely just uh, ru- shoot through the minor leagues provided they're healthy and they've made some of these adjustments and some of these changes. I've got a long list of runners-up. This was one of the hardest ones to figure out the back end back here. I've got Mick Abel. And, on mick Abel real quick. The overall stats for last year weren't necessarily great. Mostly AA, a little bit in AAA. 23 starts, 5-6 with a 4-13 ERA. Struck out 10.5 batters per 9. Walked 5.2 batters per 9. But... In the final five starts, Mick Abel figured something out. The final five starts, four in A, one in A, 27 and two thirds innings, ERA of 163. Struck out 29 guys. Now, still walked 14, only gave up one homer, but got greater than 50% ground ball percentage over that stretch. Opponents batted 141, 282, 228. So, You still have the control issues, right? He's walking too many guys, but he figured something out. I noticed in the AAA start, I went back to watch that. He threw a lot more sinkers than four seamers. Maybe that was part of it. Uh, Obviously, that's a ground ball pitch, but he figured something out at the end of the season, and I'm confident in the Phillies pitching development that they're going to be able to get more of that out of Mick Abel. I think he's this close to, to really popping, and I think you may see him up if everything clicks, you may see him up mid-season in Philly, giving them some back-of-the-rotation work. Uh, I've got Tink Hintz in here. And Tink Hintz is in, for some reason, some sort of a blind spot for me. I can't properly evaluate Tink Hintz. I don't know if it's just because most of what I watched was his struggles in A Springfield, he had a 5-4-7 ERA over 12 starts in Springfield, whereas in high A Peoria... And 11 starts, he had a 2.81 ERA. I don't know what it is. I've got to figure that out. I've got Jacob Mizorowski on this list. We talked about him, I believe it was last week, and just some of the great stuff that he's done. We have some younger players or players we haven't seen a lot of. I've got Noble Meyer of the Miami Marlins in here. I've got Chase Dollander and Rhett Louder. Chase Dollander to the Rockies, Rhett Louder to the Reds. We haven't seen very much of either one of those guys. Uh, pitching at all and so couple couple spots in here in the back that can really move around depending on what guys look like in 2024 so really interesting but stay tuned for that starting next week starting the first of the year we're going to start doing our farm system previews we're going to start out west in the meantime monday's mailbag that's not going away during the farm system previews we're just going to do six shows a week so if you have questions for us I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us. We have a Discord. We have a subtext. All of that stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember it's always a great time to pay a minor league.